Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. I want to apologize off the bat. I might, may not be in the best voice this morning. I know that spring is almost here because it has made its annual visitation upon my sinuses and throat. I have a very fond memory of a particular baptism. I was a young curate and an old camp friend had moved to town from a more rural part of the state and she and her husband wanted their first daughter to be baptized. They joined the parish where I served, we engaged in the work of baptismal preparation, and then the big day arrived. It was Pentecost Day. However, I did not anticipate one liturgical wild card, their daughter's age. She was not a big kid by any stretch of the imagination. She was somewhere around one. But she was not the typical baby baby that we often baptize in our tradition. Baby babies really don't have any idea what's going on. So when this odd fellow in white robes takes them from mom or dad and pours water on their forehead in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and makes the sign of the cross and holy oil on their forehead, if they're not still sleeping, there is usually a look on their face that says something like, what in the tarnation is going on here? My friend's daughter, however, was already smart and aware enough to know that something was going on. And that guy in the robe was not to be trusted. (laughs) So when I took her from mom and attempted to pour the water on her sweet head as the water left the shell and meant to hit her head, she bobbed. And then I tried again in the name of the father and she weaved. (laughs) And then she started to climb up my arm and onto my shoulders like some sort of chimpanzee. She was not going to have anything to do with that water. So finally, amid great protest, mom held her and she consented to be baptized. The font is a place of great joy for me and for my ministry, and I will never forget that particular Pentecost day. Now, you may be wondering why I'm sharing this particular story on this solemn occasion, the first Sunday in Lent. Shouldn't I be making us all feel guilty about something? Or perhaps we need to process that long-as-heck prayer that Will and I subjected to you this morning at the beginning of the service. 
There is a reason, and that has to do with today's gospel and Jesus' time in the wilderness with the devil. This unholy camping excursion did not happen in a vacuum. This was not just some other item on his messianic to-do list that he decided to check off one random Tuesday. This happened in context, immediately following his own baptism. Matthew reports, And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then immediately... Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Talk about a bob and weave. Here is this beautiful, warm, sacred moment between a father and a son, and then Jesus is ripped from that water and thrust into the wilderness to spar with the devil. I would have spiritual whiplash. Now a note about the wilderness We hear wilderness in scripture and we might assume different things, especially in a biblical context. We hear wilderness and we think happy thoughts. The wilderness is a place where we visit, where we take a walk, where we hunt or fish or shoot. We at the chapel, we worship in the wilderness, or at least a very tame version of a suburban wilderness. Now that being said, I'm not uh, going to juxtapose our fun wilderness with some kind of dark, scary, evil, biblical wilderness. Yes, in the Bible, the wilderness, in the wilderness, we can encounter evil beings and evil intentions. However, it would be a better understanding of the biblical wilderness to say that the wilderness is a place where things happen. In the wilderness, the Hebrew people were delivered from their captors in Egypt. In the wilderness, the same Hebrew people made their covenant with God. The prophet Elijah flees into the wilderness seeking protection from Jezebel. John the Baptist lives in the wilderness. And Philip baptizes the eunuch in the wilderness. So the wilderness is neither good or bad, but a place charged with energy and potential. And when we go into the wilderness, we meet the cosmic forces of good and evil. So that being said, on this first Sunday in Lent, we find Jesus in the wilderness for his own personal Lent, 40 days to fasting and praying and temptation. And the devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, one does not live by bread alone. The devil takes him to Jerusalem and places him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. But Jesus says again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And thirdly, the devil takes Jesus to a high mountain and shows him all the glories and splendor and things of the world and says, all of these can be yours if you just fall down and worship me. But Jesus replies, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
All three of these temptations have one common thread. They are all about control. Satan tries to convince Jesus that he himself, the human Jesus, possesses the power to meet all of his needs. Jesus could create his own bread like God. Jesus could be powerful like God. And Jesus could receive glory like God. But instead, Jesus remains true to his Lord and Father and rebukes Satan, pledging his dependence on God. John Cavanaugh of St. Louis University writes of this gospel, So what's left for us, we who are neither God nor Savior? Well, to receive the truth is a great and difficult thing. If we just acknowledge the simple truth of our limits and our sins before God and Christ's people, we drop once again the heavy mask of deception. It falls from our faces, revealing our need. In this season of Lent, we are called, as Father Kavanaugh puts it, to drop the heavy mask of our need to be in control, for it is a burden on our souls. We might have assumed, consciously or unconsciously, that in our baptism or a loved one baptism, that beautiful, squishy moment, that in that holy sacrament that we are adopted by God and forgiven by God and equipped by God and therefore always protected by God. But in many ways, the opposite is true. When we enter the waters of baptism, when we become followers of Christ, we are sent out into the world, into the wilderness. And out there, stuff happens. But the good news is that we are not left alone to wrestle with the wilderness. Instead, if we let go of our need to be in control, the burden and the stress of our own journeys is lifted from our shoulders, and in even the most difficult circumstances, we can rest in the embrace of God. This Lent, own your wilderness, own your baptism, but let God be in control. Amen.